Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. It's been about a week since our last episodes, which means it's been about a week too many since the last time we sat down to talk some Bears football with you. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and today I'm joined by my fellow Bears brother, Nicholas Moriano. Brandon Hazlett couldn't make it here today. Nick, I'm going to see you here in a couple days for the Combine, which I'm very excited about. But I want to know, how have you been over the last two weeks? I know I didn't get to talk to you last week as we had Steve on. Yeah, so I've been pretty busy uh, this uh, the past two weeks. The high school students are working on their research papers, first research papers of their high school careers. And man, there's a lot that are, you know, been great. A lot have been, oh, God, we need to work on this. So I've been working on that lately and then just, you know, preparing for, you know, this weekend because it's really exciting. We'll be at the combine. It's awesome. It is. And on top of that, uh, this past week for me, I've helped. I taught the kid how to tie his shoes for the first time. Uh, the first time he got it, he got the knot done. He looked, he saw the perfect bunny ears and he yelled, you know, bear down Chicago shoes. And it was like running around the kitchen, super excited. But Nick, he wanted me to make sure to let you know that he's excited to meet you this weekend when you come down for the combine. So just yeah. a heads up. He is ready to meet you. Awesome. I'm great with kids. I really am. Awesome. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out here. I'll put, I'll make sure he puts you to the test, but let's go ahead and get into today's show. You ready? Let's do it. Awesome. So before we get into our plan topics, we already had our set, you know, schedule that we wanted to talk about. We needed to begin today's show by discussing the workhorse, Matt Forte. He announced his retirement from the NFL earlier today, and he ended up being the second leading rusher in Bears history. Of course, that's behind Walter Payton. He is now officially hanging up the cleats. And in Chicago, he had five 1,000-yard rushing seasons. He was a two-time Pro Bowler, and he finishes his career as one of six running backs in NFL history to rush for 9,000 and have over 4,500 receiving yards. I mean, what a career for Matt Forte. We talked about it, you know, a couple of years ago when the Bears decided to let him go, let him kind of test the market and he ended up going to the Jets. We kind of already had our grieving period over the last two years with him. But uh, what do you want to say to or about Mr. Matt Forte, Nick? I mean, it, it is nickname, the workhorse. He really did everything for the Bears. I mean, you can split him out wide as a wide receiver. You Obviously, he was in the backfield, but he always came to play. That was a thing. And uh, my mem- one memory of that I is just uh, prolific in my memory of him is that I was at a Saints-Bears uh, game Thursday night. It was in 2008, and he actually exited that game early due to an injury. And I was there uh, near one of the tunnels, and I actually saw him come running out of the field to get back into the game. And what I remember doing is I stood up. I had this really weird neon orange scarf that my grandma made me wear. And it, uh, I stood up, clapped three times, and swung it over my shoulder. And for some reason, I didn't know that I was on national television at that point. They caught that whole entire sequence. But I left my hand in a weird gesture. But just uh, Forte <laughs> going in, I mean, I just remember that. But just him being on the field and doing what he did for the bears for so long at the level that he did it at. And he was so underappreciated around the league. I mean, we really, 
as Bears fans appreciate what he did here. Um, I hope he, you know, enjoys retirement, but he, it's just so many great memories from Matt Forte and all the great games. I mean, his opening game against the Colts, that 50-yard that touchdown run, just makes that quick move out to the right, that cut goes for the touchdown. I mean, Forte was amazing to watch because you didn't know what he was going to do or where he was going to line up doing what he did. Yeah, exactly. Matt Forte, you know, not just the great things he did on the field, but he's also a great person off the field. I think if you look up class act in the dictionary or dictionary.com nowadays, you're going to see a picture of Matt Forte next to it because he just, you know, exuded what it meant to be a great person, a great man, a great father, a great husband. And it's been, it was amazing to watch him grow from that quiet, humble rookie to just, well, a humble man, but one that kind of took charge and had his own sense of leadership style. And I actually got to meet him before he ever even took a snap here in Chicago as the Bears fan fest uh, they used to have that soldier field used to go on the field into the locker room meet some players the rookies and i met chris williams the first round pick which at the time i was very excited about in hindsight that was a waste of my time uh, i'm sure the bears felt the same way in that regard but then i also got to meet matt forte a little bit i got to talk to him i said i i expect you know i'm expecting great things out of you i you know at the time i was like i saw what you can do a little bit in tulane it was before we really had much streaming video online so you only got what I got from, uh, you know, like CSN Chicago, those type of things. But I just told him I wish him luck. And I, you know, he's going to be another great Chicago Bear running back. And I was only like 15 at the time. And, you know, he kind of smiled at me. He's like, thank you very much. And he's like, I'll just like, I'll do my best. And, uh, you know, just very quiet, very uh, soft spoken. But that's the Matt Forte that we all know and love. And it's kind of cool to have met him before he ever took a snap. And then everything that just transpired afterward, which says just so much fun to watch and everything that you expect a Chicago Bear to be. That's Matt Forte. Nick? Anything else you want to mention about Matt, or were you ready to move on? He was at uh, my football, my practice football field in high school. I didn't know it was Matt Forte. I looked at him, and I'm like, "Wait, no!" And then I went to my locker room, like, "Was that that couldn't have been Matt Forte? Why? Why is he at a Waukegan football practice? Go back out. I see it's him, and then I'm like, "Oh man, I got to find a, a pen or something for him to sign." By the time I go in, find something, and go out, he was gone. I was so mad that I. I mean, I was just baffled by, like, why would Matt Forte be at my football practice? It just didn't make any sense. But I think his cousin or nephew was there. But, yeah, that's uh, just the last memory I had. Wow, interesting. That's pretty cool, but also kind of sad. He kind of missed out there. But, hey, you know, lesson learned, right? Exactly. Just have a pen on you at all times, even if you're at football practice, right? I guess so. Just <laughs> put it on your person. It'll be well worth it one day. But. All right, so Combine festivities, they're officially underway, and earlier today, both Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy took turns at the podium to give us a little bit of an update on the Bears' offseason and the direction that this team is headed. And I think it's only fitting to have a discussion on both of those press conferences, as I thought, you know, both of them did share some valuable information, and they also deliberately kind of withheld some. Nick, I want you to go ahead and begin. What was maybe uh, the biggest takeaway or two that you had from Ryan Pace when he talked today? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we heard about the guys that were released today with um, Willie Young, and when the new the start, the start new season officially starts, Mike Lennon will be released, so he's technically still on the team, but he will be. I guess those are two big takeaways, but uh, something that I thought was uh, pretty interesting with Ryan Pace um, in regards to wide receivers, and, you know, even Negi, I think, touched on this a little bit, is that they're not so much... Uh, they obviously what they do physically is very, you know, compelling to them, but they really want to know how these guys perform in the interview process and what uh, they're able to relay information, how they're able to relay information back to, um, you know, whether it's pace or Negi and like these 15 minute interviews that they have, and they got to have smart IQs. And I, I thought that was interesting that, you know, obviously a lot of these athletes are going to perform very well in the combine, have great broad jumps run, you know, a very fast 40, but really, Pace likes to see how these guys, you know, do in the classroom. Really, that's where I think big things happen for these football players because you can be as athletic, athletic as you want, but if you can't really translate what this offense is saying, and especially a wide receiver, where Pace really mentioned this, that these NFL offenses are complex. So if you can't get it, you can't really showcase or use that athletic ability to your advantage. So I thought that was a big takeaway from uh, what Pace was saying. Yeah, exactly. He says, you know, don't look too much or too hard at the measurables, you know, take a little bit of take more stock in those interviews, which I definitely had noted as well. But I think for me, my biggest takeaway is what he had to say about free agencies. So a little bit of a different route here. He talked about that. He had some hits and misses throughout his first few tries in free agency as the Bears GM. 
Uh, he mentioned that there's always a risk and that when determining which players to bring in, the Bears are going to need to be uh, mindful uh, that they are, of course, available for a reason and that the hope is to continue to still build this team through the draft. He said he doesn't want to dabble too much in free agency if he doesn't have to. I mean, that would be an ideal situation to be in. Uh, but, of course, you don't want to solely rely on free agency because he said that you can't really know exactly what you're going to get from some players. Uh, something else that he mentioned in terms of contracts, he talked about the people who are going to be released. I was very excited to hear that they're still aggressively working on towards bringing back Kyle Fuller and they're already working ahead, trying to re-sign Eddie Goldman and Adrian Amos to longer term deals, which of course, both of them are going to be entering the tail under their rookie deals. So to get them locked up long term is huge. And another thing I have mentioned real quick is about Kyle Long, Josh sitting that situation. I talked about, you know, they just decided as a collective unit between him and the offensive staff, that it was, it was time to let Josh sit and go. They believe they can not maybe upgrade it, but find a better option for the Bears long term. And they talked about Cody White here in this regard because they said, with his versatility, uh, they can kind of look at, you know, multiple positions when trying to address the interior of this offensive line. They said, you know, of course, once they find those guys bringing them in, they want to have Cody set in stone at one position. But it was interesting. So it kind of opened the window, I guess, to have maybe Cody White here move over to center. I mean, to center from center to guard and then perhaps bringing in another center, depending on all those things, how they pan out. But maybe opening that door is something I didn't really expect to happen today. What about you, Nick? Anything else that you want to mention regarding what Ryan Pace had to say? You know, there was one thing also, um, it, it specifically with cornerback. He said there was a lot of depth in in free agency and at in the draft, obviously. And I'm expecting for the Bears, uh, and obviously they're still negotiating with Kyle Fuller, whatever they do long-term, set with a long-term deal or tag him. Hopefully one of those does actually happen. But he said there's a lot of depth there. And I'm just, I have a feeling that either maybe uh, one of these big name free agent cornerbacks is going to be, you know, a Chicago Bear in maybe the next coming weeks. Or, you know, he maybe he does actually, you know, go and draft a corner. I think he hasn't drafted a secondary player. I'm trying to see if this is correct. Uh, earlier than the fourth round. Um, I don't believe he has yet. So maybe that's going to be something that he addresses in this draft because he said there's a lot of depth there. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's true. I don't think so. I don't think anyone higher than the fourth round uh, via the secondary has been drafted by Pace. That's a good observation. Uh, something else I took from Pace, uh, one thing about the offense, he called it uh, the 2018 version. It's going to be interesting and creative. Two words that, of course, I think we said the Bears lacked all last season. They weren't interesting and they weren't creative on offense. And then a little bit more about the young team that's now being established, especially with all the handful of the veteran roster cuts that have happened. Uh, he says that there are a lot of guys that are ready to kind of assume a leadership role, uh, but that the team leaders and captains are going to be something that happens naturally or organically throughout the offseason. So we're not going to say, you know, X is a captain, Y is a strong leader. It's going to be up to the players to take leadership roles amongst themselves. Because it's interesting, they even mentioned like uh, Mitchell Trubisky in that regard, like, yes, he's a strong leader, but if he's going to be like the leader of this up to this team, that's up to him and for the guys to kind of reciprocate that just a little bit. So that's something else that I took from Ryan Pace. Uh, something else on top of that was uh, his comments about Kevin White. He said that Kevin has a chip on his shoulder. He's been able to continue running because last year it was an upper body injury with that shoulder. So Nick, uh, Ryan Pace seemed pretty high on Kevin White, which I think we say this each and every offseason, but are you still holding out the slightest of hope that maybe uh, Matt Nagy, who did say in his press conference, he's excited about the challenge of trying to resurrecting uh, Kevin White's career too. Are you still holding out just a little bit of hope for Kevin White? You know what? I, I'm not going to count him out because I mean, this, this technically would probably be his last year. If he doesn't show the bears anything, then, you know, it's, it's a bust pick. And right now, technically you could say that, um, uh, just due to him not being able to be on the field, but we'll see what Negi can do with him. Hopefully he can stay healthy. But I think a reason why they said that about white is because pace also said in this press conference, he believes that wide receivers are positioned that position that you can get better at quickly and that was actually those were actually some comments that I was a little surprised about I'm like well you know just moving back to last year it didn't show that I mean obviously we had Cameron Meredith and Kevin White get injured but you brought in guys and they weren't the most uh they didn't contribute the most so it's it was interesting to hear him say that at a position that they really don't have many playmakers at all at that he believes that they can get better quickly just either through free agency through the draft. So, I mean, maybe he has something in store. Maybe that first round pick is a wide receiver. Who knows? But he thinks that they can address that position. Maybe, maybe just this year alone. I, I found that surprising though, because that hasn't been the case in years past. 
Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And yeah, who knows what uh, he's saying is even true, right? Because all the smoke screens uh, kind of hiding some things. It was funny. I forgot exactly what the comment was, but uh, Matt Nagy in his press conference said uh, something about that, that Ryan Pace. And I think it's about backup quarterbacks, how they have a plan on how they want to attack the position, but that plan is going to stick between them. So, you know, they're still being the secretive bears that we've grown to expect here under Ryan Pace. But let's go ahead and move over to Matt Nagy. And I'll go ahead and begin with one of my, at least my favorite takeaways was about uh, Jordan Howard. Earlier this week, uh, he talked about that guarantee that the bears are going to make the playoffs. And they asked Nagy about that a little bit. And he's like, you know, I like that confidence, but uh, we need to take this step by step. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's go ahead and do it through our actions and not our words. What did you take from that? Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, Coach Nagy's not going to say, oh, yeah, we're going to be in the playoffs. But I think he he likes those guys are fired up about this season. I think that's a lot of, you know, a lot of the players. And they're saying, you know, Jordan Howard making that claim. Remember the last Chicago Bear to make a claim like that? You know, Alshon Jeffrey, we're going to win the Super Bowl. Jordan Howard, we're going to go to the playoffs. We'll see. Hopefully that happens. Um, but, you know, I, I think that he's got to back up his player. I think he'll talk to Howard maybe like, hey, you know, you're kind of – you're putting expectations on us, but nothing that obviously shouldn't be in our room already on the board. We're, you know, playoffs are the ultimate goal. Do that. You obviously win in your division. But yeah, I think that he likes that his players are looking like, hey, this is not just another rebuilding year because it's a new coaching staff in place. We're going to look to win now. And hopefully that's, you know, that mindset that these players take. Don't know if it's officially going to work, but we'll see what happens. No, mindset's huge, right? You don't want to go into another season expecting to lose more games than you win, especially for a team that has done that year in, year out for the past five, seven years. It's it's tough to watch as fans. I'm sure it's tough to be in that locker room as well for some of these guys. So for them to wanting to change the culture, set higher expectations for themselves, make them you know work harder to achieve those goals. I'm all for it. Of course, when you make guarantees like that, though, uh, oftentimes it can come back and uh, bite you in the rear end. But Nick, I want to go back to you. I want you to go ahead and share one of your top takeaways from uh, Coach Nagy. Yeah, so when I was listening, and maybe I'm just analyzing this too much, do, reading all these research papers, all I'm doing is analyzing all these uh, these papers from these students, but um, Nagy said that he called Howard unique, uh, elusive for his size. It's intriguing to see how he can fit in this offense. And I was like, I was wondering why he didn't maybe make that direct comparison, maybe with a, a you know, a, a Kareem Hunt, who have similar running styles, not... Um, Obviously, Kareem Hunt is a way better, I think, a better pass catcher than uh, Jordan Howard. But it's weird that you it wouldn't just have a set foundation. OK, how, this is how Howard's going to be implementing the system. I mean, he's a one dimensional back. I wonder if he's thinking, OK, since Howard is more one dimensional, how are we going to incorporate him and Cohen at the same time? And when it comes down to maybe that third down situation, are we going to be able to keep Howard in the game? Are we going to have to take him out? I wonder if he's like back and forth it's still very early on the offense they haven't gotten any of their playbooks any of the players or anything anything like that maybe i'm just analyzing this too much but i i would have expected an answer where like yeah you know he kind of reminds me of a back i had with you know in can't say kareem hunt and how his running style was and we'll kind of do similar things with him he just said it was intriguing so i don't know maybe that's a good thing maybe that's a bad thing and again maybe i'm over analyzing things which probably is the case but i just I want to see exactly how Howard now fits into the system because, again, Negi is still contemplating what that could be. Yeah, I, I saw that too, and it kind of had my ears perk up just a little bit. I'm going to lean towards it's a good thing because he talks about that you don't have many backs with his size who can be as elusive as he is, but he's also a back who can kind of get those short yardage uh, situations on like a fourth and one, convert that, a third and inches, convert those sorts of downs as well. So I'm excited for it, but yeah, I kind of took that uh, interesting as well when he said you know he's intrigued by it, but I'm going to take that as a good thing. And of course, he mentioned that he is uh, very fond of the strong nucleus that is built on offense with guys like Howard Cohen, Shaheen Trubisky. Um, he did mention that they still need to find some pieces, but on top of that, talking about like OTAs working with these guys, which they haven't got to do yet. He says that entire staff is quote unquote juiced to go ahead and get that started, which of course gets me just jacked up a little bit, but getting over to Trubisky, I was intrigued by his comments. See, I'm using his words intrigued. Um, when he said that he was kind of evaluating his rookie year and just how he can see the big growth throughout the entirety from his first start to his final one. He says that Trubisky plays hard. He can bank those special throws and they're going to, they're going to be building the offense around him and that his experience is going to help jumpstart 
of course, that transition to a new offense. And when asked like what maybe would be the biggest challenge Trubisky would have, honestly, he just said it would be the verbiage. He thinks that what they can do here with him shouldn't be too much for him to you know handle. Should be easy for him to kind of ease into. Should be things that he knows and knows how to do well. So that's very exciting for Bears fans because I think we can all agree that he just wasn't properly utilized last year. So having a staff that, of course, is taking all offseason to create an offense around him, it's huge. It really is. What about you, Nick? Anything else? You know, uh, one thing is just a uh, coach Negi calls Brad Childress chili, which is, uh, you know, kind of funny <laughs> to, to see. But with that relationship that those two have, and I think the reason why Trubisky is going to have that significant jump in year two is uh, what Negi says, like if they're in a meeting room or whatever, and when he steps out, he said, chili can come pick up where we left off. And, you know, just because they have the familiarity with that offense. So it's not obviously Negi's going to have a lot of responsibilities being the head coach, but having a guy, Brad Childers, guy from Kansas City, familiarity, like I said, knows this offense is going to be able to help Trubisky when Negi is maybe not available at that time. He has to address other issues, the entire football team. So I think that's why Trubisky, like when he said, what does he need to work on? Well, the verbiage. Well, you have multiple guys that are obviously Dave Ragone, uh quarterback coach, is also going to be able to work with that. But Brad Childress is definitely going to be a key component for Trubisky, this entire offense, to really learn this new scheme that's being implemented now this year. So I thought it was cool that he calls him Chili, and he's going to do great things in, in utilizing uh, all the things they brought from Kansas City, bringing them to Chicago to help these players learn the offense. Exactly. And again, once they get to OTAs, that's when Nagy said they're going to start building the offense a little bit, building the scheme. They want to kind of, you know, work with these players a little bit, talk to them, converse, because they can't do any of that right now. And once they do, they can start putting together the playbook. Uh, my last thing, I'm going to stick with the quarterbacks, but moving on to the backup quarterbacks, because I know Ryan Pace mentioned in his press conference that that's the most important room in the entire building. And he talked about the importance of finding the right guy to be behind Mitch, to mentor him, to be in a supporting role for him. And on top of that, uh, Coach Nagy said that they're evaluating which direction direction they want to go they said they do have an idea but they won't say between going with like an older veteran type or maybe a younger developmental kind of guy which is interesting because they can go with the veteran type and if so you maybe don't have mark sanchez but if you get like that development quarterback then you can also keep a third one and keep sanchez there because i know a lot of people want to keep sanchez which is insane a year ago no one would have even would have thought of that saying those words but i understand it for the mentorship role and of course they seem like they are actually uh, you know really close-knit so i don't want to break that duo up uh, what about you, Nick? What did you take maybe in terms of like what they want to do with the backup quarterback? You know, that's I mean, that's the question, because Pace and Nagy, obviously they said some things in these press conferences, but really they, they kept a they lot of nothing. stuff in house. Yeah. So they're not going to tell us their direction. They're going to go in the draft, who they're looking at free agents, anything like that. But in terms of that backup quarterback and, you know, Sanchez did, you know, tell Pace he does want to be back. So obviously he had a great chemistry with Trubisky last season. I think it's I think it's good to have that veteran leadership just in the locker room if he ever gets down or you know obviously different situations going to play out there at the season. But hopefully I, I would like to see Sanchez back, and I think they might get a young guy as well, maybe through free agency. That's like you know one of those quarterbacks that kind of just bounces around, or maybe that's one of the late late round picks where they're just like here we'll draft a developmental guy, but. Um, I see Sanchez coming back, but again, who knows with Ryan Pace? We didn't know he was going to get Trubisky or Leonard Floyd two years ago, so it's all it's all a question mark with Ryan Pace. It is, it is. All right, anything else you want to mention about these press conferences? You just hit it when you said, you know, they said a lot, but they said nothing all at the same time. I mean, we sat here and we talked about it for 15 minutes, but again, it's February 28th. This is all we have right now to really discuss. No, I think that's, I mean, look, I, I thought it was a, uh, it was great that Ryan Pace actually said that, you know, Willie Young, Mike Lennon will be gone. That's I thought I didn't think that would even come out today. But um, I mean, that's about it. I mean, really, they were they were answering the questions, but they really weren't. So, I mean, that's all you can do at this point in time. Like you said, it's it's February 28th. We still have a couple weeks away. Obviously, the combines this weekend, but we'll see what ends up happening. And that'll be through their actions and not through their their words that they're saying right hey now. thank you for putting that together because i was about to just do the same exact thing you know using Negi's quote against them in a little bit so that's awesome that really is all right so that's all i have about the press conference as well uh, i know if you want to watch it and uh, watch it in full definitely check out you know the bears website i'm sure they have that there for you but up next we're going to go ahead on every single one of the bears roster cuts to date including mike glennon even though that's like a couple weeks a month away uh before we do i do need to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor SeatGeek. 
Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your being there in person and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears brothers have the SeatGeek apps on our phone. And it's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. We can be anywhere, pull out our phones, within a few taps, instantly find some seats. I was actually looking at SeatGeek earlier today. There's still plenty of amazing deals for Cubs tickets, White Sox tickets, Bulls tickets, Blackhawks tickets. If you're living in the Chicago area, you want to go see a Chicago sporting event that isn't the Bears because we have to wait, so, to wait until September. Any of those are available. And of course, no matter where you live in the country or even the world, SeatGeek has ticket options available near you. SeatGeek, they're designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $20 off that first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty, well, I'm Will DeWitt, joined by my fellow Bears brother, Nicholas Moriano, and we are moving on to talk about all the Bears roster cuts to date. And so far, the Bears have officially released, or at least made a verbal commitment to, in terms of Mike Glennon, uh, Josh Sitton, Jarrell Freeman, Quentin Demps, Pernell McPhee, Willie Young, and of course, Mr. Mike Glennon. So, Nick, I'm going to go ahead and let you begin here. I want to know, first of all, do you agree with these cuts? Because personally, I'm not opposed to any of them at all. The only one that I can like maybe argue with is uh, Willie Young. And that's just because now you obviously getting rid of Pernell McPhee. Now you get rid of him. That Those outside linebackers, what, what was a strength not too long ago, is looking pretty uh you know weak right now in terms of depth and you're counting on Leonard Floyd to hopefully be healthy for an entire season and then you don't really have much behind that I mean so I mean I see why they did it he's getting older he, he I, I think it was a torn tricep that he was dealing with so that's the one where I question okay you they probably have plans in place they have players in mind either obviously to the draft or free agency that they're thinking about going and acquiring so that's the one that I'm thinking okay Yes, you made it. I see why you made it, but maybe it would have benefited the Bears keeping them just for a little longer to see if they got maybe their guys that they need to get or that they were available. But yeah, for the most part, I agree with all the cuts that they made. Okay, so I had Willie Young as well as maybe my one guy that I would at least brought back to camp. But this changed my mind, and I want to know if it changes yours as well. He was going to count for $4.5 million against the cap this year, a guy who is going to be 33 coming off a of triceps injury. Is that something? I know the Bears have a lot of cap room, but would he be worth that much? I mean, 4.5, that's not too bad. I mean, Pernell McPhee was going to make close to eight, and he doesn't do anything. (laughs) So, uh, Willie Young, I think, if he had not gotten injured, you can only speculate and wonder what he could have done this season. I mean, he would have gotten a lot more playing time if he didn't get injured, down the line, of course. But 4.5, that's not too bad in terms of thinking about how much cap the bears do have. And I know pace, he said, just because you have a lot of cap doesn't mean you, you can, uh, forgot the exact quote be, uh, be reckless with your reckless, money. something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't think the money was the big issue. I just think that the bears, obviously they wanted to go younger at that position, wanted to get, they have, like I said, some guys in mind, but yeah, the money in terms of not for a reason not to keep them. I don't think that was the issue. I think they just, they just went a different route. Yeah, and you know, looking at this list so far, I mean, all those players honestly were expected. We talked about it in our Save the Franchise episodes, and we talked about you know pass for play for the guys who are up for contract. When we talked about potential roster cuts, each and one of these names were mentioned as guys to keep an eye out. I want to know for you, do you have one that maybe was like the most obvious? Like obviously, this person was going to be cut, and don't say Mike Glennon because that's the easy answer. You know, I had uh, Jarrell Freeman, and due to his two suspensions that he had. He was injured, that torn pectoral muscle, I believe. And then, you know, he tweets uh, later on in the year. I forgot exactly when, but having experiencing like memory loss. So scary stuff is happening in Jarrell Freeman. And obviously when you when you tweet about that, I, I don't know how long, how you can still play football. If it's, or it's, if it's affecting you right now. Um, I just knew right from when, you know, we tweeted that out and due to all the other circumstances that Gerald Freeman wasn't going to be on this team. I don't think he's going to be playing football anymore, especially with what he's going through. So that was a no brainer for me uh, in terms of the guys that, you know, it's, it's that out of Mike Lennon that were just going to be cut. 
Sure. What about a biggest surprise? I think for me, Josh Sitton, uh, we talked about that a little bit. Like it's a potential cap casualty, but again, the Bears have, you know, a healthy cap. He's a veteran player. He's an all pro at guard, uh, versatile as well, can play either side. It's it's hard stomaching watching someone like that go. But again, I feel like there is a plan in place to, of course, like mitigate the damage a little bit. But for me, he might have been perhaps the biggest surprise. What about you? Yeah, I was going with that one too. I mean, eight million save, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not that much money for a guy who he missed a couple of games last season. He did, but he's not a bad guard. He's definitely not a bad. He's he, he creates, uh, you know, he was able to fill a need for the bears and now they have to go and address that position. But, um, that was, a, a, I guess, a bit of a surprise. But again, the bears obviously want to get younger at that position. They put a lot of money into their guards. When you think about it, if they would have kept sitting, then you also have long who signed that contract extension. So not too long ago. So again, um, they just want to get younger, but I guess out of the group, that would be the biggest surprise. Sure. And we mentioned it a few times now that the biggest, at least common denominator here with all these cuts is age, right? I think mm-hmm. I did the math. The average age out of this group is 30.5 years old. So obviously this team is going younger, but Nick, when you look at all these cuts collectively, I want to know, what do you th- believe that they mean for the future of this franchise? You know, especially when I look at, uh, with the cuts just at outside linebacker for the future, well, that's a position that desperately needs to get addressed. And, um, I mean, just looking at it, we, we going into the season, it was the strength of the bears. It was, it really was outside linebacker was. And now that you cut two of these guys, um, you know, veteran, uh, veterans, and, um, you just wonder how is pace going to actually address that position? Because again, I, I've said it before, Leonard Floyd, he's good when he's on the field. He just has to show that he can. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Be on the field for the you know longevity of a 16 game season that he hasn't proven that yet. So um that's going to be interesting to see how Pace addresses that because that's a key position. If you can't rush the quarterback, I don't care how good your secondary is, it's going to break down at some point. So you're going to have to get guys that can rush the QB. Yeah, exactly. We don't want to have him having all day in the pocket to throw. It doesn't matter who's playing corner, who's playing safety, heck, who's even playing linebacker in coverage. It's just not going to work. But of course, outside linebacker now becomes a huge need for the Bears this offseason. It already was, even if they kept a couple of these veterans. Now that they're you know, not even on the roster, it just takes it up like five different notches. But I want to know, Nick, in your opinion, who's going to maybe be the hardest one so far to replace? So I'll say the hardest to replace, not so Pernell McPhee, but not him personally. And I just address this, just a position because just getting uh, a capable pass rusher is going to be a challenge. So it's not Pernell McPhee. It's not Willie. I would say Willie Young is definitely more capable, but McPhee in that position is definitely the hardest to replace. I think you can find a, a good guard, a capable guard, because again, uh, you have a solid offensive line. One guy that's, not at the level sin's not going to kill your entire offense. We've seen backup linemen go into games and it looks like the offensive lineman hasn't, as we've said, not skipped the beat. So look, I think they can, you know, still be all right there. You, you have Nick Kukowski, a linebacker to replace Jarrell Freeman. You have two young safeties uh, for Quinn Dem. So not very concerned there. It's just outside linebacker. Like we've been talking about, it's just the biggest, most urgent thing that the bears need to address. You know, well, that in corner because we still don't have anybody uh, under sure. contract there yet either. So yeah, that's not an option right now because we haven't cut any. But uh, yeah, for me, the hardest one to replace, I'm actually going to go with Josh Sitton. I agree that it won't be maybe quote unquote hard to find, you know, someone to kind of take that spot, but it's going to be pricey. Either it be a free agency, you know, spending a lot of money on someone like maybe like an Andrew Norwell or, you know, a high draft pick and a guy like Quentin Nelson. Either way, if you want to replace and kind of keep the same level of, of play up there up front at guard, unless they move Cody White here over and get a center. Again, we'll talk about that when or if it happens. It's just going to be very expensive uh, one way or another to kind of find a replacement. And I'll switch over to the easiest person to replace. For me, the easiest is going to be Quentin Demps because it already happened last year with Adrian Amos. I mean, nothing more to say about it. Uh, Adrian Amos stepped in, took over, and now he's looking at a contract extension. So obviously, 
uh, Quentin Demps was already replaced. So that's why he is out the door. What about you, Nick? Anyone else that you have for easiest replace? So I'll go, I'll go actually with your hardest. Josh Sidden is the easiest to replace only because I think there are some capable free agents that are coming out. Yes. You're going to have to uh, spend some money, but a guy that uh, the, I'm sure the bears will look at is uh, the Chiefs Zach Fulton, who obviously worked with Matt Nagy. He's going to coming out of his uh, rookie contract uh, familiarity. So I'm definitely, that's definitely going to be a guy they're going to look at. They also have Eric Cush, who I think, you know, when people forget about him. Exactly. So, I mean, He's a capable, I mean, you don't want him to be the starter, but he can go in and fill in that role. I think that he's more than capable of doing it. And also, you know, the Bears drafted Jordan Morgan. Where is he at in this uh, scheme of things in terms of depth-wise on the offensive line chart? Maybe he's a guy that maybe the Bears cut sitting knowing that, hey, you know, Jordan Morgan, he didn't play. Obviously, he didn't play, but maybe he's taking the right steps in maybe getting in line to play sooner or later. But, you know, there's some capable guys that are out there in free agency, and the Bears actually do have some guys on this current roster who can, pretend, you know, play for them. So I'm going to say Sin's easiest to replace. All right. Yeah, February 28th, you can say things like Jordan Morgan has a chance to replace, you know, Josh Sitton. It's okay. I, I, yeah, I, I didn't say that maybe. quite now. Okay. He's, he's maybe in line somewhere down the road. <laughs> maybe in line, somewhere down the road, he may get a phone call and yeah, just you're going off the rails there. All right. So let's go ahead player by player. And in a sentence or two, uh, I want to be brief here. I want to know what kind of legacy would each of these players bring? And by legacy, like how are they going to be remembered? Obviously, None of them have like a tremendous legacy here in Chicago. But for me, I'll start. Uh, we'll go ahead and begin with Josh Sitton. Uh, for me, I'm going to say he's an ex-packer who came in and gave it all to Chicago. Uh, you know, of course, didn't end out the way he wanted, but he came in, uh, always did it with a smile on his face, always looked like he had fun with Kyle Long. But, you know, just an ex-packer who came in. I was always kind of worried about bringing in an ex-packer. But, you know, ever since he put on the Bears uniform, he, he acted nothing like a Chicago, I mean, everything like a Chicago Bear. What about you, Nick? You know what? I said that Sin looked good in a blue tux. Uh, have you seen that image with um, Kyle yeah, Long and him with the blue I tux? Have. So, yeah, I didn't have really anything for most of these guys for their legacy. I thought, like, when, when I saw that in, like, our preparation legacy, I'm like, man, that seems like something very prestigious that, you know, these guys have left their mark in Chicago Bears history. Not really. So I, I just said that, uh, you know, Josh didn't look good in a blue tux, which he definitely did. All right. I mean, that's fair. Again, uh, legacy. Uh, that's why I rephrased it a little bit on the show here to, you know, how they'll be remembered, if at all. I can put that in with some asterisks <laughs> around it. Uh, so let's move on to Darrell Freeman. For me, I think he'll be remembered as, you know, by those two PED infractions and suspensions. It's a shame because those first 12 games he had as a bear, he was a beast. He was a tackling machine. But uh, I think those two PED violations are going to kind of shadow his time here in Chicago. What about you? Pro football focus, like hero or something like that. Because, man, this is what I think a lot of Bears fans base their judgment on Terrell Freeman. They saw, oh, the number one, number two ranked linebacker uh, behind Luke Keekley or in front of Luke Keekley. Well, no, that's not the case. He got a lot of tackles and he played. You know, he played well. I mean, it's not that he was a bad linebacker, but you look at that pro football focus grade that they gave him when he did play, and you're just like, oh, man, we have one of the top linebackers in the league. That wasn't the case, you guys. I mean, who knows how pro football focus actually like grades these guys, but that that's, I think, what people remember Jarrell Freeman for. Sure. I mean, I was one of those guys. I got excited when I was like, hey, <laughs> he is being compared to Luke Keekley, and he's like 31. Wow, that's pretty awesome. But uh, moving on, Quentin Demps. I'll let you begin this one because I've taken the last two. Yeah, so I'm going to characterize him as being uh, – I just remember that first game against Atlanta, and he got stiff-armed by oh the, God, yeah. the the tight end. I forget his name, but, man, one-on-one tackle. And, you know, and I think earlier in that game, too, he missed the tackle, so it just wasn't his day, and then obviously gets injured. So, yeah, that's what I remember Quentin Demps for because he really didn't do anything other than that, and I just remember that big play from the Falcons' very first game – of the year getting stiffed arm and like, man, that's got to feel awful one-on-one with that. And that's how that's a, that, that was the result. A touchdown. Yep. Austin Hooper will be upset. You forgot his name. Yes. Austin Hooper. That is his name. He gave a great stiff arm. He did. But uh, for me, uh, I don't think Quentin Demps is going to be remembered. He's going to be a guy that you look back in five years. Like, wait, he was a Chicago bear. I mean, three games, 12 tackles, no impact. Maybe another one of those revolving safeties. Yeah, exactly. Just add them to the list. It's like the Bears before Jay Cutler with all the quarterbacks. So, God. yeah. Yeah. All right. So, move on. Uh, Pernell McPhee, I want you to begin because uh, you've always been vocal about Pernell. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly what Pernell McPhee was vocal. And that's about it because that man, I mean, against the Giants in so 2016, I mean, he literally said uh, that he was going to sack Eli, that they were going to they were going to tear the Giants up. He had one tackle. The Bears lost that game. That was the epitome of, you know, Pernell McPhee's career in Chicago. Just a lot of talk and, you know, the dogs. I know the dog analogy that he had, Bart, whatever it was. That's all that Pernell McPhee was. He, he talked a lot, never backed it up. And now he's gone. Yeah, I think for me and Pernell's always going to be wondering what if, if those injuries didn't kind of like pile up again, that first season he had here, uh, he was showing promise, making an impact. Uh, but again, uh, the injuries kind of derailed that just a little bit. Uh, you remember the Giants game. The one that sticks out to me is last year's game against the Ravens where beforehand he's like, I wish they would just let me have one sack on Joe Flacco. I just wish they would let me have that one. And then he got that one sack with such a gimme, like, Flacco went right into him and like pretty much fell down. I was like, well, there they go. They gave him his one sack and he didn't even earn it. So that was kind of a bummer there. But moving on to another outside linebacker, Willie Young. For me, I think we'll just remember him by that fishing move, right? He did it 26 times here in Chicago as a bear. He was really a true professional. And what I remember the most uh, besides the fishing was how he handled the transition from a 4-3 defensive end to a 3-4 linebacker. He never complained once. He did it with a smile. And he always seemed to be having fun uh, here in Chicago playing football. So for me, Willie Young, you know, just fun, fishing, and family maybe. There you go, three Fs. I was trying to find a third, kind of stretched. But what about you, Nick? Uh, maybe it could have been Floyd because he was the mentor for him, you know, kind of transitioning. But yeah, Willie Young, I have the utmost respect for, you know, earning that that contract extension. It, you know, like you said, transitioning from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Willie Young, uh, you know, I'm really glad that he was on this team and did what he did. It's unfortunate that he this season ended how it did for him being, you know, that tricep injury. But I'm just, you know, I, I will remember Willie Young for sure. Definitely he's not going to be a guy that's forgotten like, you know, the rest of the guys we actually just talked about. But, yeah, that fishing move, it was always great. You're like, when is Willie Young going to go fishing in a game? That's what you're kind of hoping and wishing to see whenever the Bears play. But, yeah, Willie Young is a guy that I'll definitely remember. All right. And last and least, we have Mike Glennon. Uh, Nick, any words that you want to share about Mike? Not – I mean, not really. I mean, not – I don't want to say I saw this coming, but, I mean, just uh, – there, there's no words. There's no, there's not a need to waste our breath on Mike Glenn. He was a stop gap. He wasn't even a stop gap guy. He was just maybe like, slow down the gap, right? Slow. Like, yeah. Slow down for five games gap guy. I mean, four games, sorry, four games. So can even make it to five, but yeah, Mike Glennon is done with, um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That's Mike Glennon. He's going to be remembered uh, as one of those bad quarterbacks that came here to play in Chicago. There's a huge list. He joins it. He'll be somewhere in it. I'm not going to say he's on top of the list, bottom of the list. Yeah. Not even worth it. Mike Glennon. It's too bad. We can't have amnesia about Mike and just kind of forget that situation ever happened. But <laughs> moving on some, some bitter, bigger and better things, or maybe we'll talk about it. But uh, during today's press conference on top of it, uh, they talked about, of course, the contracts that they're trying to work on, but they also talked about there's still some evaluations that are taking place with some players. So Nick, I wanted to know, um, we've already talked about these players who are cut who may be next. What's a name or two that you want to be surprised to see cut when it's all said and done. Well, um, let's see. I think that if the Bears are trying to address that cornerback position, let's say they lock up Fuller, uh, who knows, maybe the next couple of days, and they get that locked up, and they have a chance again, like a Tremaine Johnson maybe, maybe Prince of Mukamore is the next guy that can be possibly cut, and you you go get a, you know, a corner that can definitely make an impact. Another guy, though, I think that's especially gone is Deion Sims, and especially uh, with, I think the Bears are going to look into getting Trey Burton, so that's a you know, a quality move there. You were look to replace somebody who didn't do anything with for you to somebody like Trey Burton, who worked was in a system in Philadelphia that's gonna be somewhat similar to what Nagy's gonna run here. And maybe another guy, um, either one of the Marcuses, uh Marcus Cooper, Marcus Wheaton. Um, I know I tweeted out which one fans would rather keep. I actually went with Wheaton. And that's saying something because I yeah. have not liked Wheaton well since he got here, but you just don't know with those injuries. Um, it may be in this new system. He is fast. He can run, but can he stay on the field to do that? And when he gets a chance to catch the ball, will he catch it? And then Marcus Cooper, my goodness, you just hope that he didn't get on the field. But yeah, those are some guys that I'm looking Yeah, in the next couple of days. And Pace addressed that in the press conference. They're still working on the Cooper and Wheaton. Someone specifically asked him about those two. So we'll see what happens there. 
Yeah, you know, between the two Marcuses, when he said that, I kind of imagined them staying across from another in the locker room, saying, like, this team ain't big enough for the two of us. There's <laughs> only room for one Marcus, but that's just me and uh, my lame attempt at being funny tonight. But, uh, no, honestly, when I think about Marcus Wheaton, I have a hunch that uh, Coach Nagy and also, like, Mark Helfrich, they're... I think they can envision a role for him because you saw what he can do in Pittsburgh. Like his last full season, he was healthy in Pittsburgh, which again, it goes back about three years now. He had over like 50 catches or something like that. Uh, He had a pretty, again, he had Ben Roethlisberger, but he can be productive in a system. Last year, you only saw him run like two routes. It was like a comeback and a fly. And it's it's just odd. I know he missed some time with injuries uh, starting all the way back in training camp, but it's odd that the Bears couldn't find another role for him besides him just stretching the field with the speed and maybe taking a deep shot. And the only real true deep shots I saw to him was with Mike Glennon in the first couple weeks of the season. So again, a very weird situation uh, there, but out of the other potential cuts, I think one that you didn't mention uh, would be, and I'm calling him like a wild card to be is going to be Benny Cunningham. I think that's really going to depend on what Nagy Helfrich, what they kind of envision his role, or if they want to go with another, like, option for that third back on the roster we'll see um i don't want them to cut cunningham but i think that could be someone when i'm looking at the roster that could not end up being one of those like surprise cuts all right so yesterday we have actually a little bit more news i actually anticipated talking about today which is exciting uh the bears made their coaching staff official now obviously the staff on offense is almost entirely brand new and vic fangio he was able to retain the majority of his guys on defense just like he said would happen a month ago so look at that communications open in how it's all and people are sticking true to their words so that's very exciting but nick i want to know what are your general thoughts on this staff how does it maybe stack up to years past Oh, I mean, I think this is one of the better coaching staffs that we've had here in Chicago. There's a lot of quality guys, and there's not a lot of egos, which is a good thing. Yeah, to I have. love that quote. Yeah, lot not a lot of egos. That I mean, you get a guy like Harry Highstead and you know Kevin Gilbride, tight ends coach, and just a bunch of guys from different you know different backgrounds. Mark Helfrich, being a, a college guy, is going to definitely help you know implementing the RPO stuff in this offense. Heistad is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. Vic Fangio, one of the better defensive coordinators in this game. And then retaining, you know, most of that defense staff. That's great. So I think that the Bears, they they are they have all the pieces in terms of their coaching staff to be a successful unit. Now it's just about players buying in, listening to these coaches, learning from them, and seeing if they can like put everything that these coaches teach them on the field. But yeah, this is a great coaching staff. Definitely the best one. Yeah, yeah, no, one of the best ones that I've seen for the Bears. Yeah, I think it's probably the best one in terms of just coordinators. And of course, I know uh, Harry was on the staff then too. But when you're looking at like Levy Smith, and then he had Ron Rivera, and on top of him, you would have uh, who was it then? Ron Turner on offense. I know Ron Turner uh, was kind of a mixed bag, but he had a couple good seasons there as OC. Um, and even then, if you go a little bit more later, when he had guys uh, like yeah, Levy Smith as head coach, even you know Mike Tice or uh, Mike Martz, you know, obviously not bigger uh, happy names that we remember fondly because of how things kind of soured out here, but just bringing in guys who have head coaching experience is kind of like the point I'm getting to here who have prior head coaching experience can step into smaller roles and excel and also help out, you know, Nagy who is in his first year of being a head coach and having uh, as much advice as possible, how to not screw it up by guys who, you know, I mean, screwed it up. It's going to be nice to uh, have in his corner. But again, I think it's one of the best ones that we've had in, you know, probably over a decade plus it's loaded with talent and experience. Like you said, I put that in that, put that down too. There are no egos on the staff. It's huge. And it's the communication between everyone's been phenomenal. And honestly, I just can't see what this staff can do to take the current roster and the players who are going to be bringing in here over the next couple months and kind of see how they can mold this fresh clay that the bears and Ryan Pace have been building over these last couple of years. But Nick, I want to know outside of coach Matt Nagy, who is your favorite newcomer? I like Kevin Gilbride. I like the tight ends coach um, coming from the Giants. He worked with the uh, two young tight ends there. Uh, the latest uh, rookie tight end that they had, uh, Evan Ingram, led his team in like receptions, uh, catches, and um, I believe touchdowns or something like that. He, he was very productive. And now you bring in Nagy, who had Travis Kelsey and how effective he was with the Chiefs. And you get Adam Shaheen, a young tight end. There's, you know, it's the limit is who knows what the limits are for Adam Shaheen. He, he can have a, a way bigger impact than he did in his rookie season. So uh, that would be the guy that I really like. I can't wait to see what Adam Shaheen can do with like, he's not in the leash anymore. I think Nagy's going to open things up, see how maybe he can implement uh Shaheen like he did with Travis Kelsey, obviously ways away, but I think that he's looking at Shaheen like, okay, I can definitely put you in good positions to succeed moving forward. 
Yeah, he talked about him a little bit today. He says he doesn't want to use the word potential, but he sees the talent uh, from the tight end and is excited to see what they can do together. Uh, for me, I know that the, the consensus among all fans is, you know, Harry Heistat, uh, which again, totally understandable. He's one of the best offensive line coaches in the world, and he does a hell of a job with his guys. But to just be a little different like you, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say my new favorite coach might be Mark Helfrich. Uh, we all know what he did with Marcus Mariota in Oregon. And so between him and Nagy, I really expect them to build a phenomenal scheme around Mitchell Trubisky. And I just get excited because they keep talking about the blending of, you know, pro and college concepts. They're not going to come in here and just try to run a college offense. Of course, that's not going to work. But when you can, you know, have a cutting edge pro offense and add in a little bit more of the college stuff, the guys that, you know, what they mentioned earlier, like we want to kind of do stuff that guys are already used to when, when they're playing in college. Um, I think it's going to be really a cutting edge scheme that is going to kind of build upon itself over, of course, this year the next couple of years is to kind of like fine tune it. But I just like what he did with Marcus Mariota. He has a head coaching experience. I know that things didn't work out how he wanted in Oregon, but he's someone who has succeeded and failed. And someone else, like I said, who can kind of look at, uh, you know, Nagy and say, Hey, this is where I went wrong. Don't make this mistake. I think those are things that go definitely underrated, but Nick, let's go ahead and flip it. And let's go outside of Fangio because I think he's a clear cut coach that has came back that we're all the most fond of. So outside of Fangio, who's your favorite retention? I think I've said this before too. It's uh, Ed Donatel. I mean, the guy, what they did with the secondary this year was uh, pretty spectacular, especially with a lot of young guys back there and able to, you know, you know, exceed our expectations. I think uh, Adrian Amos having a great season, a Jackson coming in, becoming a playmaker, uh, Fuller, obviously having a great season. So those guys, yeah, I think Ed Donatel did a really good job with that group. Yeah, exactly. He was mine as well. I think he actually won my underrated coach of the year award back in January during our award show. Uh, but I did want to go different here because I've talked to him about him a lot. And I'm going to go really outside the box here. I'm going to go ahead and give it to quarterbacks coach Dave Ragone. And it's interesting because, you know, he's one of those under the radar coaches. But the reason I get really excited about him is the fact that he is the lone offensive positional coach that's been retained and that says something about him right this is what kind of coach he is what he meant to Mitchell Trubisky it's a testament that what he can excel like what he can do working with Mitch under the new coaches as well and of course Ryan Pace has worked with him in the past too so for all of them to come to the same agreement like saying hey we should keep Dave here for the betterment of our quarterback Trubisky I think it's just a huge testament to what kind of coach he is what kind of coach he could become because everyone else on offense is gone besides him so for him to stay I think uh, it's just huge, and I'm excited to see what he can do now uh, working with Trubisky under a different circumstance. Obviously, things uh, with Dow Loggins. Good thing I almost forgot his name, which is thing, <laughs> that means the offseason is doing its job. I'm starting to forget those awful things that happened last season. But honestly, I'm just excited what he can start doing now with Helfrich, uh, Nagy, even Brad Childress, everyone involved in offense, what he can do with a stronger group of coaches around him, and, of course, a better system that be best suits the playmakers on offense. All right, so I did mention this briefly on the top of the show, but Brandon, who is not here today, unfortunately, but Nick and myself, we're going to be at the Combine over the weekend. So we want to let you know that, you know, if you're partaking in any of the festivities that the NFL has to offer in Indianapolis this weekend, uh, just let us know. Reach out on Twitter, email, uh, Facebook, wherever you want to reach out. Let us know you're going to be there. We'd love to meet, you know, as many of you as possible. I've already had a handful of people reach out, so I'm excited to go ahead and meet them for the first time this weekend. But guys, I know... I'm going to be watching quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends on Saturday. Nick, you will be too. And then on Friday, unfortunately, you have to work, so you won't make it there in time. But we're going to watch offensive linemen and running backs. I just want to know, is there a name or two that you're excited to watch the most? And I know there's other things going on, like the fan experience, a couple of talks, which, by the way, John Fox is going to be at one. So if we can get in, we'll make sure to ask him a very difficult question that maybe he will or will not answer. But uh, is there a name or two that you just want to mention that you're most excited about? I, I've already said this on Twitter. I want to see Calvin Ridley and see how he does at this combine. I really like Calvin Ridley, and I'll be there on Saturday with the quarterbacks, tight ends, and uh, wide receivers. And another guy, just because uh, I think he's going to just show out at the combine, and he's in the Big Ten, uh, Mike Gusecki, the tight end from Penn State. Uh, he's also he he also used to play basketball. I think he's going to have a great combine. Any of these like Big Ten players, obviously, with us being you know alumni, from these uh, respective Big Ten schools. Uh, you want to see those guys do well, but those are two guys on Saturday that I'm really looking forward to watching. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, for me, offensive line, I'm excited, for, of course, to watch Quentin Nelson, see if he has a strong combine, if he's everything that 
you know, he's been talked up to be all off season long and then running backs. Since I'll be watching them, of course, you want to watch Barkley, see what he kind of combine he puts together. I had really down as well for receivers. And then of course I put my guy from Indiana, Simi Cobbs Jr. Uh, someone who I mentioned in a previous episode that the Bears should definitely take a look at uh, second, fourth round. If he's still available, then not having a third rounder hurts just saying, but uh that's it brief. I mean, if you want to check out a full combine recap or actually recap it hasn't even happened yet. I apologize. A full combine preview. Go back an episode, episode 204. It's our full NFL scouting uh, combine preview. We had our writer and PFF analyst, Steve Letizia on, and he gave you everything you need to know about the combine from a bears and Ryan pace perspective. So if you haven't yet, and you're wanting to know more about this week's combine, definitely go back an episode and check that out. Alrighty, we just got one more segment for you, and that's going to be answering another slate of fan questions. And, you know, we love interacting with you guys as much as possible. So before we dive into those questions, I just want to remind you about our free Bears jersey giveaway. Once we reach 200 reviews on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, we're going to be giving away a free Bears jersey of choice to one lucky listener. You can choose your size, of course, we want it to fit you, and your player, past, present, whatever player you want. We will go ahead and uh, make sure you can choose that jersey. All you have to do to, do, uh, to enter the contest is to review our show and leave your Twitter handle in the review to be included. And if you don't have an Apple account, because there's been a few of you who has asked about this, the alternative is to go ahead and leave a review over on our Facebook page. When we started this giveaway, we just had about 100 reviews and we're almost halfway there already. We're nearing about 150 last time I checked. You know, we can't wait to give away that jersey. So go ahead to give us a review. And as soon as we reach 200 on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, we're going to go ahead and choose one lucky listener to get a free Chicago Bears jersey of their choice. So, Good luck for those who've already entered. Good luck to you who are going to be entering. And of course, you know, bear down. All right. So, Nick, let's go ahead and dive into the handful of fan questions that arrived earlier today. Are you ready? Let's do it. Awesome. The first one comes from Johnny and he wants to know, well, he says that Pace made it seem like he wanted to have like a, a more of a long term deal with Kyle Fuller. We've mentioned that. Um, do you think that he's going to get that long term or do you think it's actually going to be a franchise tag? Man, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, they're in negotiation. They're talking about this. I think the Bears really do want to keep Kyle Fuller. They don't want to see a former first-round pick walk. I have the hunch that he gets the franchise tag. I really do. I think that's what it's going to ultimately come down to. Unless, you know, Fuller's like, you know what? I can see myself being here. You kept uh, Fangio for the next three years. I want to be – and we we know that Fuller and Fangio, they, they butt heads at some point. But I think they're on the same page now, and I think that's what counts. And moving forward, you have a new coaching staff. I still have the hunch that he gets tagged, but I would want to see long-term. I think I want to see long-term. I know he had the one good season, not very consistent, but it's good to retain, you know, your former first round picks guys that you've drafted and that you can keep in the building for a little bit longer. So I, I think he gets tagged. All right. Yeah. I mean, I can just say one or the other and speculating and you already did that. So I'm going to go ahead and move <laughs> on to the next question. Uh, it comes from Christian and he says, I really didn't see Quentin Dems being released because I saw him as a good backup. Do you think that the bears knew something with his injuries that we didn't know, or was it just a cap space thing? And I looked into this a little bit and by cutting Quentin Dems, the bears saved about $3.26 million in cap. I think it's just a mix of money and age. He's on the wrong side of 30. They brought him in coming off probably going to be his best year as an NFL safety. Uh, he's one of those journeymen. I just think they want to go in another direction in terms of backup, someone a little bit younger. Um, and on top of that, they talked about leadership, right? They talked about how these young guys are ready to step into leadership roles. Well, Eddie Jackson or AJ Amos, they can't do it back there if you have a veteran such as Demps, who was a team captain last year behind them. It's just an odd team dynamic. So I think it's a mix of like money, age, regression in his part and what the bears want to do in terms of the leadership of the bears for the next three to five plus years. What about you? Anything else you want to add there? You know, I just think what the, they saw the play of Adrian Amos and how he played in the continuity with Eddie Jackson. They're like, well, if you bring in, you know, Quinn Demps, is he going to, obviously maybe he'd want that starting job back, but you got to, you know, show that on the field. And also there's a bunch of young safeties on this team that maybe with, with them's not being there, they move up on the depth chart. You don't necessarily want to see these guys play like a Deion Bush, Deandre Hall, who I still think can play corner and Deandre Houston Carson. So maybe that's the reason why, like, obviously you, you they, the two young safeties that played this season, they played really well together. They continuity. So maybe they're just thinking, hey, let's just go a different route. Obviously, he got injured. That stiff arm might be like saying, man, he got stiff arm that bad. We're, we can't bring it back from that. So maybe that's also a reason. Just, you know. <laughs> yeah, they saw the replay of that like 10 times on the tape. And like, all right, that's enough. Can't have <laughs> I'll it. I'll do it. All right. So next question, it comes from Ryan. He wants to know, after releasing Willie Young, do you see the Bears making a play for a linebacker like possibly Raquan Smith or Tremaine Edmonds earlier in the draft than expected? 
I don't know how to take this question. I don't know if he meant if the Bears would trade up to go for Smith Redmonds or maybe targeting a linebacker in the first round. So whatever way you want to take that question, feel free. Yeah, you know, that's exactly how I saw it. Like, are they looking to move up because now they release these guys? I don't think that's the case. So the Bears can't afford to move up, really. I mean, you're giving up. They don't have many picks right now. Well, obviously, if there's a player they like, they may do it. But I don't think that the Bears are going to move up to get one of these linebackers in particular. I think one of them will eventually fall to them if they're looking to go that route. But nothing that the Bears do, I think, right now in terms of releasing these these free agents is going to determine, like, this is what the Bears are going to do come draft time. Just because they got rid of Pernell McPhee, Willie Young, that doesn't mean they're going to go get an outside linebacker. It, it doesn't. That's not how things work. Pesa is not going to show his hand early. He never does. So that's how I took that question. They're definitely not going to move up to go get one of these guys. Yeah, I mean, I said that obviously they can definitely target them in the first round now because there is a need and they need to add at least three to four bodies at the position throughout the offseason. Of course, you want to mix it with the draft and free agency. But I mean, both of these are really two young, uh, intriguing linebackers. And if you want to look at a more of an in-depth breakdown that, you know, analyzes these two and compares them to one another, our writer on our site, Mark Tellerico, he just published a comparison of these two on our site. Just head over to thebearsbros.com and check it out. It just published yesterday, so you'll be able to find it fairly quickly. But yeah, obviously, I mean, you release two veteran outside linebackers, you have to replace them somehow. Uh, any of those Edmonds, Smith, would be pretty good options if the Bears want to go that way in the first round moving on next question is from gabe he wants to know who is the biggest signing that the bears can have in free agency is it tremaine johnson nick i think it is i really like tremaine johnson i think that's the guy that the bears will go for and i know i said something earlier that you can cut mukamore you can't cut him because he's a free agent sorry get rid of him that should have been the correct terms i should have used earlier but yeah i think tremaine johnson is the guy that you know the bears you can really get a guy who's still young he has playmaking ability. He didn't have his best season, but he did play in all 16 games. Uh, Prince of Mukamura hasn't had an interception in three years, and that's alarming. So I think, you know, with Tremaine Johnson being out there, obviously Butler from the Patriots is out there as well, at cornerback. But I think Tremaine Johnson's the guy that Pace has to be looking to shot for, like, hey, we can go get a playmaker opposite, hopefully, of a Kyle Fuller. You'd be pretty set in the secondary. So I think he's the biggest uh, free agent signing that the Bears can possibly get. All right, there you go for me. I th- I'm going to look a little bit elsewhere. You can, it depends on what you mean by big, right? You can mean big name. You can mean big impact season last year that you anticipate to kind of, kind of like translate over or, you know, however way you want to take it. So for me, a few names, at least, uh, of course, Andrew Norwell from Carolina, if they want to go ahead and replace Josh Sitton with another free agency pickup, he's young. He's only like 26 and he can be uh, another, he's an all pro. He's a pro bowler for the next six, seven, eight years here in Chicago up front. So if you want to pair someone with Cody white hair for a long-term deal, that's what you're looking at. Andrew Norwell there. Um, I also saw that Ian Rappaport uh, said that the bears are interested into looking into Sammy Watkins, which, you know, that's a big name, uh, not really big impact, but that's, Still a bigger name, former first round pick. And then, of course, the Jets are planning to, or they actually did release now, uh, Muhammad Wilkerson. Uh, so that's another big name, someone who has potential. But again, with his attitude problems, it makes me a little cautious that the Bears would go that route because they talked about numerous times when you're bringing in players, it's about the player and also about the person off the field. And, you know, Wilkerson and his issues in New York have been pretty well documented. But again, change of scenery, that can change. It's just, it's a tough situation, but those are some names that I would look into in terms of like the biggest guys. And Nick and I, you talked about it right before we went live, like a Trey Burton. I mean, not the biggest of names, but someone who can maybe come in and have one of those bigger impacts, at least bigger than we would anticipate um, just from the tip of things. But uh, moving on, we have another question. This one is from Zachary. He wants to know with both McPhee and Young gone, uh, who do you think you're going to target this offseason? So very similar to the other question, but instead of talking about specific draft picks, uh, just more open-ended question here of who they can have to maybe, you know, combat it a little bit. So for me, I had, of course, Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, we've already mentioned in the draft. And if you're looking a little bit later in the draft, you can get uh, Harold Landry. Um, but if you're looking at like free agents, I'm looking like at Barcavius Mingo, D Ford, and of course, uh, D Ford is a name that Matt Nagy knows from Kansas City, but it's risky. He had 10 sacks two seasons ago. Injuries last year kind of plagued his production. So we'll see. Uh, Nick, I'm going to go ahead and give you a, our final question here. And it's going to come, oh, we have a few more, but we're running out of time. Hmm, any, mini, miny, mo. You know, I have to give it to, uh, I'm going to give it to Tristan because this is a good one. He's a moderator, of course, over on YouTube. So I always have to, you know, give him a shout out when I do. But uh, it's about Allen Robinson. And if he wants to know if Robinson somehow makes it to the market and pace locks him up, what would that mean for this young and developing team? 
You know, I mean, that would give Trubisky a legitimate number one. I know he's young, and obviously he had that breakout season. I I forget, like 1,400-something yards, uh, I think 15 touchdowns. So he had a phenomenal season, but if the Bears were to somehow lock him up, um, you know, it's going to be interesting how he he fits into the system. Obviously, it's going to be a little different because – the Kansas City Chiefs number one was Tyreek Hill, and he's a burner guy. He goes deep. He's you know runs these uh, screen routes. Allen Robinson is not that type of player, but he is a good receiver. So if the Bears are to get him, that would be really interesting. I mean, something that would well, it's definitely going to help the team. I mean, obviously getting a talent like that, a young talent too, and if he's able to come back from that ACL tear, that that can only mean good things for the Bears. Yeah, exactly. You pair him up with, say, Cameron Meredith, you have your one-two, takes a lot of pressure off Kevin White, and then you still have Kendall Wright as of right now in the slot. I mean, it makes things look better uh, and intriguing on paper, but we all know things can look really good on paper, and then come you know training camp, come the regular season, uh, things can change rather quickly. So, yeah, I mean, it's only going to hopefully, knock on wood if that would happen, help this team, but again, uh, those are things that you just have to wait and see how they actually do impact the team in the long run. But all right, Nick, any final thoughts before we sign off today? You know what? Joey Mandel actually asked a question about whether Mike Lennon did anything for Mitch Trubisky's development. The only thing he did is he showed him how to not play quarterback. So I just wanted to answer that question. But, uh, you know, that's it. I think we, you know, we had a good recap here. We got the press conference, got a little bit of draft, some fan questions, and we'll be at the Combine this weekend. I am so excited. I'm excited, too. And don't forget, AJ, my son, he's excited to meet you as well. Yeah. Cannot wait. Awesome. So that's going to do it for this episode, Bears fans. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. Again, don't forget to review our show to enter that free Bears jersey giveaway. We're going to be back very soon. Maybe we'll surprise you with a bonus episode over the weekend, and all three of us can record a podcast in the same room for the first time in history. We'll see. We'll see. Nick seems pretty excited about that idea. Uh, so we'll talk soon. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.